Now the shit's about to kick off, this party looks whack Let's take it back to straight hip-hop and start it from scratch I'm about to bloody this jack up, everybody get back That's why my pin needs a pad, cause my rhymes on the rest guys and welcome to the bucket drops podcast hope everybody had a good father's day i know i did beautiful weather kind of a heat wave here in uh, cornwall ontario and uh, you know sometimes as a father uh, might seem like a thankless job when uh, you've changed uh, 10 diapers in a day but if you look into that little baby's eyes and see your smile that's the only thanks that you need so for all you fathers out there I'm sure uh, your daughter or little boy are really appreciating you. And uh, myself, when I look at my baby, you know, you look at her eyes and it just seems like she's getting smarter day by day. And, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, slow down, baby. I know, you, I know she's going to be smarter than me, but, you know, like, damn baby looking all smart already. Besides that, I spent a lot of time with the family, with my little girl, my beautiful wife. My wife bought me tickets to go see my favorite comedian in the world, Mike Ward, Quebec comedian. He does French shows and he does English shows. Uh, I, I like the shows in French a little bit more. Uh, maybe it's just the, the swear words, um, but the English version is uh, just as funny, I guess. Definitely go check him out. Mike Ward, a lot funnier than this guy. He's got his own podcast too, and it's a really successful podcast. I mean, really successful. I think it's like in the tops for Canada. And uh, while we're on the topic of podcasts, just give a shout-out to a few guys. So uh, my first uh, shout-out will be to Darren at the Fourth Line Voice. Guys always help me out a lot with my podcast, uh, sharing my tweets. If you're not already following me on, on Twitter, it's at the bucket drop. So at the bucket drop, capital T, capital B, capital D, and I actually have Darren on today, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. To follow his podcast is simply at Fourth Line Voice, so go check him out. Um, shout out to Joel Ozito at the Coliseum Chronicles. He uh, interviews uh, enforcers that play for the New York Islanders, and uh, I just listened to one of his episodes, Jim McKenzie. Um, that's not his latest one. Um, I'd have to go back and see who his latest episode is, but I mean, always very, very good um, interviews. He's uh, he's got a gift for it. He sticks to the New York Islanders guys and guys from uh, the minor teams that are associated to the Islanders. Also, a shout out to my most recent guest. So that's Five for Fighting. So at Five for Fighting, uh, the number five on Twitter. Go check him out. You know, he gave me his top ten enforcers for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I he had some really good insight. 
And uh, my list deferred a little bit from his list, but I think that he had a really good list. I think if you can match five guys, I mean, I think you're kind of on the uh, the same wavelength being a fight fan. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I'm just talking on my ass now. But, uh, yeah, definitely a good list. Actually, one thing that uh, Alec was saying, you know, is he created the Facebook page, uh, Enforcer Appreciation. I think it's important for all fight fans, hockey fight fans, or whatever, if you're into MMA, you know, to go check out his page because, uh, like he says, you know, it's easy to go on these, you know, uh, YouTube videos and comment, you know, oh, he got shit pumped or, you know, uh, you know, just kind of not showing respect to the enforcer sometimes. I mean, everybody wins some and loses some. And, you know, like I'm the perfect example. Sorry to bore you with the same old story, but I'm literally one of these guys that, you know, came off the couch and uh, played uh, in three federal hockey league games. And I was targeted for some reason. I must have one of those faces that you want to punch. And uh, yeah, you know, like I did all right in some, but I did really, really bad in some other ones. So uh, if you're, uh, if you're one of these guys that's on YouTube, you know, just commenting and, you know, shitting on these guys, uh, you know, like talking about Brashear like that, he's just a big hugger. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the style either, I mean, but, you know, if I'm getting shit pumped, I'm probably going to be, uh, you know, holding on, uh, holding on pretty tight to the sweater too. It is a hockey fight after all. Yeah, guys, so, you know, like I said, I got my, I got my shit kicked a few times too, and, uh, you know, so I'm happy that I was never one of these guys that went on the YouTube comments because as I was telling Darren, I was never really a hockey fight fan. I was just a, guy that liked to play hockey and uh, you know I felt like I missed out by not playing junior B and going straight to uh, university um, maybe I wasn't even good enough to be honest with you but I never tried kind of got sick of hockey at one point just from uh, politics and shitty coaches uh, I've had good coaches along the way too but anyways I wanted to try myself out and uh, yeah it was a it was a good time while it lasted you know just uh, three games so not a not much of a story there, but uh, if you want to listen to it, I have said it on uh, Darren's podcast at Fourth Line Voice, and I've said it on my own podcast too. But <laughs> might be a might be a little uh, rookie uh, in my description in that one because that was my first po- first podcast ever, and uh, that's what turned me on to you know hockey fights. I was never one of those guys. I went and searched hockey fights online, uh, you know, because like I was never a tough guy. I just I like to play physical, but. Uh, I think in minor hockey, I got called on a few times, but I just didn't fight. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't in my bag of tools until I, uh, I actually got forced into it. So, yes, and, and this weekend, uh, I was gonna, actually, yeah, I wanted to talk about that too. Is uh, playing golf? Is playing golf the most frustrating thing in the entire world? For me, my hobbies like podcasting is a stress reliever. But I go play golf, and I am literally the description of Happy Gilmore uh, when he's playing shitty. Son of a bitch, Paul. Why didn't you just go home? That's your home. Are you too good for your home? Answer me. Suck my white ass, Paul. Being pissed off constantly, but I think it's also the people that you play with. If you play with someone who's completely chill, doesn't care, you know, it's a good time, but... I'll tell you one thing. I don't mind playing with my father. I don't mind playing with my brother. But if you put those two together, we did it for Father's Day, but it's it's going to take me till next year to recover from that one. So I uh, couldn't make a putt to save my life. Uh, shanked my first drive. So I hit 105, and that's with a combination of a breakfast ball, a mulligan, and fluffing the ball too. So Yeah, so uh, golf, not my forte. But... Uh, don't be afraid to ask me to play if you're a chill golfer and if you're not very good at it because I am absolutely terrible. So I'm not betting money if we're playing. I'm just 
playing and using the old foot wedge. And, you know, like I said to Alan, my best uh, part of my game is uh, my drive and my, my cheating. So, like I said to Alan Sirwa, who's going to be coming on again for my, my, my podcast, he's going to be coming on with this top 10 ECHL enforcers, which I'm excited about because, I mean, this guy is a Hall of Famer in the ECHL, so he knows a thing or two about that. And, uh, yeah, he actually fought Mitch Fritz, so go back and listen to that episode if you haven't checked it out. I mean, Mitch Fritz, just a effing monster, man. I remember seeing him fight against George LaRock, and I met him at the, at the Grey Cup. And uh, just a big man shook his hands, and, uh, you know, it was like a, a frozen turkey. But, uh, yeah, guys, this is going to be an awesome interview. I'm sitting down with Darren, not literally, but uh, both on our own uh, sides of Canada. And uh, we're going to talk about the top ten enforcers in the federal, no, oh, shit, in the LNAH. So the absolute jungle, which has been referred to by many as the toughest league in North America. So, guys... If you want to make your own list before you start listening to this part, go make your own list and see if you can match some because there is one guy, I don't know if it comes out clean in the podcast, but one guy that I didn't think of. Um, he was probably a, a little weathered by then, so I probably didn't see him fight at his best, but the guy was an absolute monster. And when I say monster, I mean like, you'll know who I'm talking about, but see you on the other side with Darren, guys. Again, I get to uh, have the pleasure to talk to Darren from the Fourth Line Voice. And uh, if you don't know who Darren is, uh, go back and listen to my episode 32, and he was on before that as well. Uh, the last time he came on was for the top 10 Montreal Canadiens and forces of all time. But this one I'm really excited about. So, uh, Darren, thanks a lot for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me on. We're uh, we're slumming tonight, I'll tell you. Set the bar low, though. I heard you had the the other day you had Alec on. You know, For sure. that, that, that flunky. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the bar is not set real high here. So, you know, no, step over it for tonight's show. Appreciate you joining me. And obviously uh, you've helped out Alec in the past and uh, you're helping me out big time. Uh, as I mentioned to you, uh, my followers have uh, grown in, uh, in numbers since I've had you on. And, uh, but I think tonight's going to be fun because I mean, we're uh, touching on a subject uh, that uh, you're very passionate about. I'm very passionate about because uh, you've had a lot of guys from the LNAH on your own podcast, correct? Yeah, absolutely. No, it was, uh, yeah, definitely the old, uh, the old Quebec League. Yeah, I've always been uh, definitely a fan of uh, of the league, and it's uh, it's cer- it certainly has its uh, you know detractors and stuff, but uh, it's it's definitely unique. That's for sure. Compared to, it's not like any le- any other hockey league in the world. That's for sure. No, for sure, and I know like that they uh, you know like we're going to be doing a top ten LNAH enforcers of all time today which is a pretty difficult uh, list to do. So, uh, like, did you have a hard time doing this one? Oh, it was brutal. Yeah, no, I was actually, it was funny. I was talking to Alec, and I was just like, it was, uh, it was actually, um, like, when you first brought it up to me, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was kind of, you know, you start to think about it, and it's like, you think you have a good idea of who you're going to pick, and they'll, oh, yeah, that guy. You know, and then you start kind of going through the list, and it's like, oh, what about him, too? I mean, yeah, and it was funny, because I was actually talking to Dean Mayrad, about doing this episode and even throw out some names. So it was like getting some expert uh, opinions there, you know, but, uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, like you said, you could probably do a top 50 out of that league. I mean, you know, the, the amount of crazy dudes that have gone through there. But, uh, yeah, no, this was not an easy list to do. No, for sure. And talking about Dean, uh, I was listening to one of your episodes uh, recently. I don't remember which one it was exactly, but uh, I guess he's been playing the Santa Claus role a bit as of late. Yes. Yeah, Alec and I, yeah, we both uh, were very lucky. Um, I, I've been really fortunate here over the last uh, year and a bit um, to, you know, have, have Dean on my show and kind of, you know, talk to him, you know, like on the phone and just through text messages and, you know, hear, you know, share stories and whatever. And, yeah, I kind of become, you know, friends with the guy. And it, it's been, you know, because I was always a fan too. And, yeah, uh, yeah it was cool because, uh, yeah, back in uh, 05, he won the Hockey Enforcers pay-per-view from Prince George. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he actually, the other day, he, out of the blue, he's like, yeah, what's your address again? So I was like, oh, okay. So I just gave it to him and didn't think much of it. And then, yeah, all of a sudden there was a package in the mail there last week and I opened it up and it was his jersey that he wore in that in the paper in the pay-per-view and he uh actually in the final fight against Mike Segroy when he won it he was wearing the blue jersey and uh he sent that to me and it's like ripped to shit and everything it was like you know what a what a rare piece of enforcer history and uh for anybody listening um they're like what the hell is he talking about it was a, well it was a pay-per-view event in print it got banned in a bunch of places and they finally had it in Prince George and it was basically one-on-one hockey fights, and there were 16 guys, and they had a round-robin tournament. One, they had, they wore like the UFC MMA gloves, yeah. And he and, and like Link Gates and Segroy and Jason Rushton and Mayrad and all those Derek Parker and all those guys were in it. And uh, it it actually on Fourth Line Voice. If you go to my YouTube page, I have the whole event on there. So it's a definitely unique, and uh, you wouldn't believe the amount of comments in the comment section that video has gotten. Pat, people hating on it, and I've gotten private messages telling them. They're acting like I was the promoter of it or something. I can't (laughs) believe that you would put this on YouTube, and this is a disgrace to hockey, and blah. And then other people love it, so. But, yeah, yeah. it's like my my fourth most viewed. It's got, like, I don't know, 300,000 views or so. so, I mean, it can't be completely hated. People are watching it, so. But, yeah, so I I got both parts, sections one and two in there. And actually, listen to the Mayrad interview and then go watch the event or, you know, because he, he talks about each fight and, and breaks it down and describes it and tells yeah. the inside story about the fights and stuff. So it's cool yeah. when you can have the, the video to go along with the story. But It was all during one day, correct? Yeah, no, it was all in one night. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was one night for sure it was. Yeah. Like, that's like the old UFC days, you know what I mean? Like, uh, the tournament oh, yeah. fights. Yeah, it's pretty insane. No, and I'm, I said to my talk to him I gave him shit for doing that I'm like you don't need to send me this stuff that's ridiculous you got to keep this stuff and like he said oh it's in a Rubbermaid tub in the bottom of the closet and I'd rather you guys you have it and enjoy it and you know so yeah so it was really cool and then he uh he sent Alec uh the gray one that he wore as well so yeah so we were very lucky the two of us to uh to you know unique uh one of a kind, really. Well, like you know, the two the two jerseys. I mean, from a one of a kind event, and you know, so that was it was that was really cool. No, for sure, that's friggin' cool, man. And like, obviously, a super nice guy. That guy's got some great stories. And uh, one thing I will say about your podcast, and I'm not trying to pump your tires or anything, but if you're a fight fan, I mean, you know, and uh, you're a big Morasti fan or you're a big uh, Mayran fan, and you know, you want the whole details to the story. Uh, Definitely go on the fourth line, boys, and check it out because uh, you go in detail, you know, fight for fight, guy for guy. Before we get into the top ten list, obviously, uh, a lot of people refer to the 
DHL is the jungle. You know, while we're talking about the LNAH, you know, uh, this was like just a weirder jungle, like where basically like hockey was secondary and fighting was uh, was number one. Yeah, well, and that was the thing. I mean, you know, it started off really crazy, and then kind of in the mid 2000s, there was a there was dudes making a lot of money, like outside the American, well, obviously the NHL, but outside of the NHL and the mm-hmm. American Hockey League, you made the most money in the Quebec League. I mean, oh, for sure. and it was. You know, and a lot of it was cash, so, I mean, you know, you're not paying tax and blah, blah, blah. And there's always the rumor, you know, the Hells Angels ran teams and laundered the money through it and whatever. There's always some, there was always some shady shit going on with that league early on. And, um, yeah. But, it was, yeah, but it was like the rich, the rich different business owners. It was like mm-hmm. the Mr. Burns Simpsons episode with the softball team, right, when he takes yeah. on the other power plant and they bet a million dollars. Well, that's what these got, guys in Quebec yeah. were doing. They were the rich Mr. Burnses. And they were, these were their teams, and they were going to yeah. beat each other up, right? And, you know, so it was, uh, yeah, and it was like the who's who of, like, minor league tough guys, and every team was, like, stacked five, six deep. And, yeah, uh, yeah there was, I mean, I, my friend coached the Laval Chiefs one year, and they had 300 fights as a That's team insane. in yeah. a 45-game schedule. So yeah. do the math, you know, so it's like, and Swanson led the team with 70. 70 fights, one guy. And you, know what, and you know what the scary thing is? He was third in the league in fights. He didn't even lead the league in fights with 70. That's how crazy the league was at the time. 70, there's NHL teams, whole teams that don't get that anymore. That's you know? insane. Uh, but uh, actually, you were mentioning that Simpsons episode, which kind of brought me back in uh, my childhood. Uh, do you remember who was on Mr. Burns' team? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, Kitseko and Steve Sachs and Ozzie Smith and Daryl Strawberry, Don Mattingly. I just yeah, watched okay. the episode like the other day. It's my favorite episode. Yeah. Oh, fuck. The, the, you can't beat the old Simpsons. Yeah, it was funny. I was kind of. I was. It was. I was saying to my wife the other day. I was watching the Simpsons. It was a fairly. It was a newer one. I was just like, ah, it's just not the same anymore. I mean, after I mean, how long have they been on TV for? I think they're yeah. the, the. I think they're the longest running TV show of all time. I think it's like twenty five exactly. years or something, something like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, eventually you're just gonna run out of stuff to write about. I mean, it just you know. So I don't know. I think they sort of. Uh, What's the saying? Jump the shark or whatever. But uh, but the old yeah. ones with, uh, but yeah. The, of course, being a baseball guy, right? That's uh, that that episode always sort of uh, hit home. But yeah, that's my favorite Simpsons episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll get into it. We'll go uh, list for list. Uh, see who the the listeners uh, think has the better list. Uh, but I mean, I'm dealing with an expert right now. So who do you have as number ten? Well, I, so, well, to be an expert, you'd have to actually fight these guys. So I'm not an expert. I'm just a knowledgeable fan, I guess we'll put. We'll Let's say call that. it that. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I'm not the, I'm not like crazy like Bobby Longgrass and going to drop my gloves in the federal league. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, because that that worked out so well for me. Hey, yes. Like I would say, man, you you went and did it. You know, so no one could say you didn't. I got actually, I got a lot of uh, reviews over that my episode with you out there. A lot of people really enjoyed your story. They they were really digging it. Really? Because uh, I I have to a, a confession to make. Well, actually, you already knew it, but uh, yeah, I was a few beers deep there. I had a few beers with my dad that day. So, uh, anyways, I, I might have been stuttering a bit, but uh, hopefully, I did uh-huh. an alright job. No, no, it was good. Yeah, no, it was good. And I, I like I said, I got the the feedback is. Uh, has all been really positive on that episode. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. I will say that uh, the LNAH, I know it was running at the same time as the FHL, but, uh, yeah, that league scared the shit out of me. So, I mean, anybody in this top 10 are tough as shit. And, uh, you know, anybody in the top 50 in the LNAH, I mean, uh, 
you know, the FHL and the LNH, I would say, are to- two total different leagues. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and, like, no disrespect to the, F- the you know, the Federal League guy, you know, Chase Tippin and Bellamy and those guys, but, yeah, yeah, this is a whole different animal. I exactly. mean, uh, that was the one thing, and especially, well, I'm just looking at my list here, all the guys in my top ten, all those guys played in the American League, and in some instances the NHL, and, I mean, you know, so, I mean, these guys were all, like, legitimate like for, and they all played major junior. I mean, they were all legitimate players. Yeah. First, yeah. you know, and then, but they were just like really super tough too. And I mean, and I've talked to like minor league guy like Mel Engelstad and stuff. And like, I asked him if he had like every guy that ever played got contacted to go to the Quebec league in the mid two thousands and was offered a pile of money. But I remember asking Mel about it. He's like, Oh yeah, they'd ask me every year, but he goes, there's no bloody way I'd go to that league. Those guys are insane. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, and that's Mel Engelstad, who's, like, legitimately one of the toughest guys in minor league history. I mean, he wouldn't even go near that league, right? So it's like, yeah, yeah you had to be a special breed to go to that league. And That Congo movie, you know, you got gorillas in the jungle, but this is, like, a whole different breed, you know? But oh, anyway, yeah. And uh, like you said, right, like, uh, these guys played in the AHL or the NHL, and, you know, I had John Morassi on my own podcast as well, and, you know, I asked him, you know, like, is yeah. uh you know, is the LNH the toughest league in uh, in the world? Because you know that, that that's the reputation. You know, and uh, you know he said like you know in all honesty, there's a lot of craziness. You know, but he was basically just saying like oh, the toughest of the toughest. Like back when he was playing, it's maybe not the case anymore. They're playing in the show. Yeah, I mean, and I mean that's the thing. It's, I think in terms of like, but just the depth of each team. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You go in the NHL, the AHL, and it's like. You know, teams that have one guy, a heavyweight, and then maybe a middleweight guy, you know. Well, in the Quebec League, there's like six guys, seven guys. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and, it, was, and it was, you know, when, when you were paid, the owners would be like, yeah, you're, you, you're fighting twice a night. Mm-hmm. Or you're gone. Like, that was it. Like, you, there was no, oh, I don't feel like it tonight. Like, no, there's yeah. no time off. And, I mean, that was the thing. It was, the, it was not only the fighting, the expectation that, yeah, you're, we're paying you – a lot of, you know, $2,000, whatever, for the game. You're expected to fight twice and be the, you know, the dancing monkey and put on a show for the crowd. And then once the fighting got done, then we'll worry about the little black thing that's rolling around and try to put that thing in the net. Exactly. But, and that was the thing, though, and, that, and rightfully so, that the league always gets sort of shit on for the fighting and viewed as a circus, so that's understandable. But when it came time to play, it was really good hockey. Like, there was really good players in that league. I mean, they paid – there were skilled guys in that league too. I mean, you know, and you talk to a lot of guys that have played in that league and played around the world. They'll say the LNAH at its peak when they were paying a lot of money was at least East Coast League caliber mm-hmm. skill level. Like yeah. it's not like some people always refer to the LNAH as, oh, it's a beer league. No, it's not a like no, it's not a beer league. The Laval yeah. Chiefs had a million dollar payroll one year. Was it? Maybe the uh, the Wingfeld episode where he was explaining how like every team had like ten legit heavies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And they, yeah, and then uh, you know the, the basically the third and fourth lines were top guys, and then the top yeah. two lines played. And see, a lot of the times, what was how they got the skilled guys is a lot of the guys that played the Quebec Major Junior and then went and played pro and then would go overseas and usually play in Europe and stuff. While this was a chance for them to come home have a lighter schedule, you only played twice a week, maybe practice once or twice, and you could get on with your life and get like a day job or go to school and, you know, get on with life. But then at night you could play and, and make a lot of money still playing high-level hockey. Mm-hmm. hockey. You know, so that's why a lot of the skilled 
French guys would come home. So now they're back home and make it, you know, 70 or 80 grand a year playing hockey and while, while working a real job or going to school or whatever. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, these guys were living the dream in the mid-2000s. I mean, I the money isn't anything like that anymore in that league. And I think the league's gotten a lot younger, you know, and then it's gone away from the fighting a little bit because, I mean, there just isn't those guys anymore. But, but yeah, from about, I would say from about 2002 to about 2010, that yeah. league was Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. You know? Doing this podcast, I, I learned something along the way. You can see the fight per guy. Say a, a good year is like nine fights per year, right? But like back then, uh, you had like McMorrow getting like what eighty fights per one year. Oh yeah, and like it was insane before. Like yeah, and uh, but I mean, I mean those guys just aren't around anymore, right? So mm-hmm. and now and they're, they're trying, if, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know what these. They're trying yeah. to go legit now in that league, and they're yeah. trying to make it a feeder league, and there's an import rule now, and blah blah. Yeah. To me, it's ridiculous i don't know what they're trying to do but, but like, like like you said it's a lot younger for sure oh yeah well like i said they're trying to get more legitimate and they're trying to get away from the sideshow and which i understand and i mean like i said those players aren't really around anymore anyway so it's like fighting is just naturally going to go down but um that league will forever be known for that so i don't i really don't know why they just don't embrace it you know at the same time they don't have the money to throw around like they used to either so you know no, definitely I know uh, this is going to be uh, not like a, a competitive episode, but uh, we're going to go list for list on this one. Twitter, it'll uh, cause uh, some conversations and uh, yeah. obviously uh, pretty knowledgeable about this stuff. So uh, might as well get right into it. Yeah, well, like I said, there's so many. I could go on and on about the honorable mentions on my list. But, yeah, we'll start number 10. I just throw in Derek Parker was number 10. Okay, I got him on my list too. T- tell me why he's your number 10. Uh, well, I just, you know, um, and like I said, with all these lists, I mean, I always, like even with the Montreal list when we were talking, probably out, outside of the top three, everything is sort of interchangeable. Like yep. four could be 10 and 10 could be six and six could be eight. You know what I mean? Like sure. whatever, you know. But, uh, no, I can remember when Derek, I can, well, he's from Saskatchewan here, you know, played junior here. And then, um, yeah, he came in that league in 2005. He was just a oh, made an instant name for himself, and I know he was hated. Other team, other guys hated him because he was cocky, he'd showboat, but he'd fight all the time, and he had that kind of unique, kind of domey-like fighting style where he'd spin the guy, and it was really hard to hit, and and he just didn't care. Absolutely fearless, not the biggest guy, like you know, six feet tall, but uh, yeah. And I'm just looking. He played 150. He's played 153 games in the Quebec League, and he has 202 fights. So, I mean, you know, and he's fought everybody. And, I mean, the last couple of years when he retired and then came back, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not the same guy. I mean, he's, you know, he took some beatings. It was kind of sad to watch. But, you yeah. know, but before that, from 05 and 06 and 07, when he was right in his prime, yeah, he was unbelievable. He picked up a lot of wins against guys. And, oh, I've seen – I have the footage of – I know Morassi wanted to kill him, and, oh, they had a pregame brawl and – yeah, Parker, he's he's crazy. He was a tough dude back in the day, boy. And like like you said, right, he took on everybody, like Moraski, Dubé, Steve, Bosse, and yep. like, I don't know, like in his 20s too, right? And no, like, absolutely, yeah. He came to that league at 22 years old and instantly, you know, I think he had 70 fights that year or something this first year. And Yeah, he was just, uh, like I said, my friend was coach at the time and he just hated him. Yeah, but yeah, at the same and, time, wished he had him on his team, but it was just like, he said playing against them was just a nightmare. Yeah, and just and just a solid effing chin too. You know what I mean? Uh, 
Anyway, yep. I can't I can't even imagine being in that league at 22 years old. I was probably learning how to make craft dinner or something. I don't know. But uh, as my number 10, I got uh, Ryan Murphy. Yes. When the guy was healthy, he averaged around 15 fights a year, and he was, uh, you know, like a marathon fighter. Like, I rarely saw him lose, and he fought guys like Marasti, Lassard, Terrio to a draw. So, you know, the guy had zero fear and uh, definitely a, a chin. And the thing I find that it was the most scary about him is that, you know, like when he's lining up, he seems completely calm. A little yeah. bit, a little bit, a la Ryan Reeves of uh, today's NHL. And you know, like he played ten years in the league and fought all the heavies. And uh, not a big guy either, only six feet. But uh, if he would have been born a lefty, I'd have him higher on my list. I think. Well, it's funny. I think as we go with this list, it'll, it'll be. Uh, yeah, I think you'll probably have a bunch of the newer guys. And mm-hmm. uh, I haven't really paid much attention to the Quebec League over the last probably six or seven years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a bunch of the guys in it and stuff, and I've watched some of their fights. But, I mean, I certainly couldn't, like, rattle off their fight card. And, but, I mean, you know, I've seen him and, and those guys fighting. But, no, for uh, sure. Like, the early 2000s, and like I said, it's sort of my wheelhouse, you know, because I have all the footage and was really into it and, like, well, worked in it at the time, you know. Yeah. Made some money through the league and stuff. So, you know, I was really into it, you know, involved in it. So, I mean, obviously that's – so it'll be interesting as we go with our list here, but it'll definitely be kind of like – Almost two different eras. Oh, I'm sure we'll cross over in a few, but yeah. yeah, it'll definitely be a certain different different eras. That's for sure. Well, you got Parker as your number ten, and I got Parker as my. Uh, I'll yeah, leave yeah, it yeah. That. I'll leave it at yeah. that. But but I got him on my list as well. So who's your number nine? Number nine is uh, Brandon Sugden. Did he play in that league for a long time? Not really. He uh, he kind of came and went and came back again. And uh, okay, see, that's the thing. And I will like much like your Montreal list. I will preface mm-hmm. this by saying. Uh, I did this list based on their Quebec League showings, like how they fought in the LNAH. Perfect. Obviously, Sugden went on and played in the American Hockey League for three years in Syracuse and stuff like that. And his one year in Syracuse, he was unbelievable. He was. Oh, yeah. But he had actually, um, you know, because he had the trouble in the East Coast League when he got banned and, you know, whatever, and he didn't know what he was going to do. And he actually played in Verdun for half a year. Okay. Uh, back in, I think, 0203. And then he left and went to the American League and played three years in Syracuse. And then he came back and played in the LNH for two more years. Because so I was just looking. He only played 70 total games. Still enough, that, that's a lot more than I thought. I didn't search him too much because I thought he just did like a, you know, a little stint. Well, it's funny because he played 70 games. He had 80 fights. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, he was definitely uh, busy. He took on everybody and uh, from you know, Joel Taro to uh, Marasti to, you know, you name them. He fought Link Gates and everybody. He fought everybody. And Do you have a lot of those fights on your channel? You know, I, I have them on video, but I don't have yeah. a lot. They're out there, though. They should be on YouTube. A lot of Sugden's stuff is on YouTube. Okay. But uh, I mean, after we're done here, I'll get, I'll hook I'll hook you up. Like I, I guess I was just curious, like how he did against Terrio and. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, like he didn't knock him out or anything. They didn't knock him out either. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, most of Sugden's fights are, uh, you know, took a few to give a few, and he was a gamer. Oh, absolutely. You know, big dude and um, tough guy. No, oh, awesome. Yeah, and as my number nine, I don't have much to say. Obviously, uh, I have uh, Derek Parker. We'll move on to your oh, number eight. You well, see, number eight. Now, this is going to get me some heat. I can tell you, people listening, because they'll be like, "What the fuck?" I, at number eight, I got Bossy. Okay. Right on. Well, there'll be a lot of people thinking he should have been number one or number two or whatever. I'll walk people through this for where I came up with this. 
When Bosse first came up and was playing in Verdun, he wasn't anything special. Okay. He wasn't the Bosse that was fighting John Verasti. He was, he was just a young kid, 20, 21 years old, out of junior. And, uh, you know, balance was the shits. And, uh, yeah, he, you know, he did his first two years in Verdun were nothing to really write home about. You know, he wasn't, well, yeah, I'm not saying, oh, he's a punching bag or whatever. He wasn't that. But, I mean, it, you know, they'd square off, you know, they do the big 30-second square off, they throw a few punches and fall down. You know, there was nothing, you know, and he obviously worked at it and improved. Everybody remembers the fights of, you know, knocking Morasti out and exactly, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah. other than that, like, you go through that, you know, he he lost some fights. I mean, um, uh, Dean Mayrad dropped him. Tyler Lawson beat him. Um, so he was certainly beatable. It wasn't like Bosse was this unbeaten machine. But uh, so, but and again, he played 155 games and he had 178 fights. So I mean, he had a lot of fights. But like I said, the first two years he probably had about 50 fights in the first two years, and like none of them were really to write home about. So yeah. he, he definitely grew into it. So yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, if somebody said, "Oh, well, he should be number two or three, I, I wouldn't argue with them. I get it. But Bosse lost a bunch of fights too that people don't talk about. But uh, Farhad got him too. So. I mean, uh, but when it came down to it, you know, when he was kind of really rolling there in St. John, oof, he planted his skates and decided to throw. It was bad news if you decided to stand there and trade with him. As, oh, for sure. As, yeah. as Sean McMorrow and Morasti and Jason Hamilton found out. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't have Varhog in my list, you know. Ah, see, there you go, and he's high on mine. In a way where I'm saying, like, all these guys are tough as nails. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, like, I, I mean, like you said, it's all subjective. My number eight, uh, you know, I went with the record-holding fight leader per season in any league in uh, Sean McMorrow, which is actually it's Alec. Uh, I was going to mention that earlier, but he's he's the one who told me about that. Um, yeah. Uh, you and Sean had a great episode, by the way. Thank the you. Last, a few hours, eh? Well, I asked three questions, and it went three hours. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sean can really talk. But, yeah. No, he was great, though. He gave really good insight and stuff. No, he's a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, like, honestly, like, how many times have you seen Sean get his ass kicked? He could hang in there with the best of them. And uh, maybe his style is not the most appealing, you know, but he'll still be able to talk to his grandchildren. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, I know from talking to certain guys and whatever, and, that, that, again, this is them saying it, not me. I mean, I'm not knocking anybody on these lists. Um, you know, they weren't big fans of McMorrow, and McMorrow had a lot of heat with guys, and they kind of shit on him for his style and whatever, because he was yeah. get, get in and out real quick and avoid, you know, which, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, when you're, you're like, do you really blame him? Like, I, you know. I, I, I don't at all, no. <laughs> no, I mean, what would you rather do, right? And the thing with McMorrow that amazes me is just the amount of fight. Like I said, he's the all-time fight leader, like, in a single season. But even before he got to the Quebec League, I mean, when he was in the American, like, how many fights did he have in the Ontario League? Like, he probably had yeah. 60. Like, I don't know because his fight card isn't out there. But, I mean, you know, guaranteed, okay, we'll just at minimum say 50 in his three years in the OHL. That's probably lowballing it, too. But say 50 there. Then he goes to the American Hockey League. And, I mean, he had some big years in Rochester. I know he had 43 fights one year in the Rochester. So, I mean, there's another. And he played, what, four or five seasons in the American League. So, say, you know, whatever. At minimum 20 fights a season, blah, blah, blah. There's 100. Then you get to the the uh, LNAH, and the guy probably puts up another 200 fights. Yeah. So, I mean, we're in, you're entering four or 500 fights in a career. Yeah, and it's like, no, for sure. You know, and the guy's never had, like, really had, like, the hand issues that others have had or, you know, and uh, 
you know, has, has managed to, you know, maintain, you know, a fairly decent, you know, health wise and stuff. So, I mean, I mean, genetically the guy, you know, he's, he's gifted where he can obviously, cause I mean, you know, his body can certainly take it for sure. So to, yeah. he's put a lot of miles on those hands. Yeah. And like, like you said, he's uh, genetically uh, gifted, but I mean like, you know, fighting seven or eight times in the show, it's not a coincidence that he made it to the show. Uh, the only thing about the LNH, I will say why I have a bit lower on my list as, at number eight, which is still amazing when you consider all the monsters that were the LNH, is just that I think he might have been a bit of a shadow of his former self. Because I think like in the NHL and the AHL, you know, even when he's fighting against guys like Penner, I think he was, you know, letting the punches fly a bit more. Yeah, I mean, it's like anything. I mean, father time catches up. You can't do it. You can't do it 35, what you could do at 25. So. I mean, yeah, like watching his later on fights here when he kind of came back there last year and the year before. I mean, yeah, it's not the same guy that was in Rochester or anything or, you know, For sure. or St. Hyacinth in 05 when he put up the 80 fights or whatever. I mean, no, it's not the same guy. I mean, you know, and I mean, he had the break. Like, I mean, well, we're not talking out of school. I mean, he talked about it. He did go to jail for two years. So, I mean, I mean, obviously he had that break in his hockey career as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, a chance, to obviously, for your body to heal. And, you know, what else is there to do in, in jail but lift weights, right? So he obviously got stronger and, you know, healed up. So, and he came back. And uh, to be honest, and like I said, if he's listed, no offense, he's not on my list. But, I mean, like I said, when you, when you rattle off the names, it's hard to argue. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, it's I mean, you can't argue with any of them. And, I mean, yeah, you could have put them on the list, and it's, and it's completely understandable. Because, I mean, like you said, the numbers are there. The guy fought everybody. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, I mean, the the way I see it is a bit like the Brashear of the LNA. You know, like he knew how to tie guys up. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, styles make fights. And, yeah. I mean, everybody loves John Rasty for the way he fights. But, I mean, there isn't many people that can fight like that, right? So, I mean, you know, everyone has their styles and different, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's what makes it interesting, too. Well, it's funny you mentioned Brashear. I mean, you know, there's another guy. I mean, he's been in the LNH for, you know, off and on here and there. And, uh, yeah. And I mean, and you, when you talk about like NHL, I mean, he's in my top 10 all time NHL enforcers. Yeah. But I don't have him on my list on this. Mm-hmm. And now people, you know, again, because like I, I, like I said at the start, I'm going to, pre- you know, this is just going by their results of how they fought in the Quebec League. Yeah. Which he really has. He didn't really fight too much in the Quebec League. No, for sure. And uh, actually, like one thing, as, uh, as we're talking about Sean, he's really good on uh, podcasts. Oh, I mean, if anybody has a podcast, I mean, Sean McMorrow is the easiest guest you could ever have on, right? I mean, yeah. you just give him a few questions and he'll, you know, he, he, you're not just going to get yes, no. I mean, he, you know, he puts a lot of thought into his answers and he's a very good speaker. I mean, I yeah. know he wants to get into sports broadcasting and stuff, and I think he'd be really good at it. He'd be a really good hire because, I mean, obviously he's got the experience and he's done it and, uh, and he speaks very well. So no, I've uh, I I hope he can succeed with that because uh, he's he's really good. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, who would be your number seven? Number seven. Well, there we were talking about him before. Old uh, Dean the Machine, Dean Mayrad. So I got number I got him as number seven as well. Yeah, there we go. And uh, it was funny when I looked him up. Um, he actually didn't play as long as I thought he did. I mean, I know Dean had a lot of hand injuries and stuff like that, which cut his career short, and which was unfortunate. But he really only played like five and a half seasons. But he still managed to pick up 174 fights. So I mean, yeah. it's just ridiculous, actually. Would you just say the number of fights? No, it's just not, like it's like Jesus, you know. Like and then when you put it in the terms of how long they played, 
Like, oh, he didn't play for very long, but he had 174 fights. It's like, what? <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. And, yeah. he pl- and he played when that league was absolutely insane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you know, he came in in 03 and played until, you know, you know, 07, 08. And, uh, yeah, and then, like I said, for a lot of those times, he was fighting with broken hands and stuff like that. And I know he was playing with John, with Morasti, and Morasti went during the Bosse Wars there, and, you know, John was really, you know, and at that point, because Mayrad was out, and like he, like he said in my interview, he felt bad because here's John having to fight all these guys every night, yeah. fighting twice a night, and everybody, you know, with the way John fights, he's taking a lot of punishment, you For know, sure. and Dean, Dean felt bad, so he kind of came back early, and here he is fighting left-handed because his right hand's broken, and yeah, I mean, it's insane to think about it, but but yeah, when when Dean was healthy and, and in his prime and, and really rolling, he was tough to beat, but he, uh, and like, again, you look at his fight card, I mean, you you name him, he fought him, and uh, and always looked good, I don't, I mean, I know Bossy caught him, caught him and kind of dropped him, and but uh, other than that, he didn't really have any really big losses, and he returned the favor on Bossy. The next weekend, he dropped Bosse. So, but I mean, there's a guy he fought Gates a bunch of times, and Cote, and Terrio, and all those guys, and uh, unbelievable. For sure, and he had to fight Cote when uh, you know Cote was the master of uh, getting out of his jersey. So, uh, all the props yep. to him, you know. I guess uh, we both have the same number seven, so uh, we'll move on to your number six. Well, number six would be Link Gates. Speaking of the missing Link, you know, Link Link only played like four seasons, but he had 117 fights, and uh, he kind. There pretty early. He, I, I believe his first year was, I want to say, 2001, when it was still considered the Quebec Senior Pro League or because Quebec Senior Hockey League or whatever they call it, QSPHL or whatever the hell okay. it's called. But um, you know, there was still you know Sugden and Terrio, and I mean, you know, the league was still the league got more stacked in a few years afterwards. But I mean, it was still lots of tough dudes in that league and. Uh, Here's a little funny story. Actually, when my friend was coaching in Laval, um, he was oh, Patrick Cote was there, and everybody knows how tough Cote is. Mm-hmm. Well, they were t- he was talking to Pat, and he was like, "This is from Patrick. I'm not. This isn't me saying it. This is from the Patrick Cote's mouth. He told my buddy. He goes, in all the fights I've ever been, and this is a guy that played years in the NHL and was all over the world or all the different leagues and fought yeah. everybody. He said, I have never hit a human harder than I hit Link Gates.'" And all Link did was grunt and kept coming. He goes, that guy is not even human. And he goes, I don't know what he is. So when you got Patrick Cote wondering what the hell you are, you're something. And uh, and Link Gates, it's a shame, like I said, with the car accident and everything that he had. You know, and it, all his, of course, his issues are, you know, everyone knows about Link Gates' off-ice issues and his without well, alcohol and everything. Well, 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 I only know about him through listening to your podcast, to be honest with you. Oh, well, I'll send you there. I, there, I got an article you should read. Oh, you could write. The, if, if they made a movie, like just exactly of Link, though, you didn't have to Hollywood it up or anything, just his actual true facts and made his movie, his biography, nobody would believe it. Really? They'd be like, no, this isn't real. Like, oh, you hear stories about the guy, and I've, I know people that know him, and it's just, guy should have been dead ten times over. He's like a cat with nine lives. Like, he's just insane. <laughs> but, and actually, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go. No, I was just going to say the fact that you were saying about that Cote story, you know, while I was making my list during this whole thing, one of the fights that I watched was Link Gates versus Patrick Cote. Yeah, like you said, you know, like uh, Patrick Cote, he's throwing cinder blocks. And oh, yeah. uh, Link Gates is just keep, keeps coming. And at one point, yeah, he uh, he puts Cote down to his knees. Yep. And you look, at, you look at Link during that fight. 
I think Cote had busted up his nose. They might be on your channel, actually. And uh, for all the listeners, just to go check out that fight, I mean, just shows how tough of a human being he was, you know, just uh, just insane fight. Well, yeah, and then you just think, like, four years before that fight, Link Gates is fighting a prime Bob Probert in mm-hmm. San Jose mm-hmm. and going toe-to-toe with Probert, who in, at, the po- at that point was in his prime. And yeah. Link Gates is, like, 21, 22, and he's, like, just toe-to-toe with him. And it's just yeah. like... Link Gates should have had a 15-year NHL career, but he yeah, but, screwed but, it up. Course, well, he got, to, he got into the car accident, and then he, end, he ended up with brain damage. He had to learn how to walk again and stuff. Yeah, that's insane that he was you know, like a top heavyweight in the LNAH when you think about it. Oh, well, the fact that he was even alive and walking and skating again, let alone fighting that much. You know, and I mean, you see Link in the LNAH, and he's like 50 pounds overweight, and he's there. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I mean, and you go and watch his fights, and he'll just he'll square off the guy and grab him, and basically let the guy hit him four or five times, and then he kind of just gets, yeah, okay, and then he fires up and throws up you and throws the guy around. Yeah. Like it's not the same guy at all that was playing with the San Jose Sharks, you no, know, when sure. he came up. But I mean, you know, and he, like he was just there for them. He didn't give a shit. He was just a sideshow at that point. But I mean, he could still. Like you said, no, you said you can hit him with a bat and he's not going to go down. Yeah, Link Gates, he's, he's insane, that guy. Well, t- yeah. talking about hitting him with a bat, I mean, he was kind of in a bat fight, but with sticks, right? So. Oh, yeah, well, that was the other one with Hamilton there on my channel. Yeah, he gets into the stick-swinging fight. and yeah. Then there's another one, there was a brawl, he beats up the trainer, and oh, yeah, he's Link's insane. No, for sure. All right, yeah, so uh, at number six, I have a guy who has won fights against guys in my top five. And, you know, like, he didn't lose uh, that many fights in the LNH, but just uh, a scary character. On my whole list, there's two guys that scare the absolute shit out of me. He's one of those guys. Uh, I was lucky enough to go see him play in Cornwall. Uh, so do you want to take a stab at it, Darren? Well, probably Lassard. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, just like a six foot three beast of a man who played in 106 games in the uh, NHL. And uh, I am told uh, wore a lot of tape around his ankles. I don't know if you know about that as well. <laughs> yeah. And just a mean lefty who could KO you right off the hop, you know, drafted 80th overall by the Carolina Hurricanes. And, uh, you know, from uh, from Montreal, Quebec. So, uh, you know, Don Cherry might have been wrong on uh, the French guys being uh, visor-wearing pussies. Oh, well, he was definitely wrong about Lassard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, I know Don likes Lassard, actually. Yeah, he, um, I think he owns a gym in Montreal, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he did. And, uh, you know, like if you've never heard of this guy, you know, like go, go Google him on, uh, you know, on yep. Google Images because like, he looks like that Frank Miller character from Sin City. Huh. Yeah, he does actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like he's had fights with everybody. So uh, that, that, that's, that's oh. my guy. But uh, like, like I said, you know, he's, uh, he's been through so many wars. When, I think when he got to the LNH, I don't think he had the same chin because I remember uh, Terry giving him a TKO. But, uh, you know, in his heyday, you know, when he was fighting guys like Burnett Roy, Chara Peters and uh, you know shout out to Chara oh, yeah. Chara was the best enforcer ever but all joking aside I think <laughs> he's uh, he's the only guy that I you know that, that, that laid out Chara that well Oh, you go watch a Scott Parker fight with Chara. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. I'll have to go watch that one, too. But, uh, you know, like, when you think about the, his fights in the LNH, you know, he fought guys like Gabby Rock, Lassard, Penner, Murphy. He just went through absolute wars, so. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, he's not on my list, but, I mean, uh, he was on my honorable mentions. But, yeah, he played the last two seasons of his career there, 58 fights in the two years, and which is an unbelievable number. But, yeah, yeah and, lefty, and, I mean, but you go back and, like, 10 years earlier when he was in the American League, he's having toe-to-toe wars with, like, Eric Goddard and, like, oh, Lassard was insane when he was with the Philadelphia Phantoms and stuff. I love Francis Lassard. He was awesome. Yeah. And, uh, again, go to you, if you go to YouTube, 
just type in Francis Lassard, you'll be entertained for hours. He was all he was awesome. No, like for you sure. said, wide open, toe to toe lefty, and yeah, I love yeah, Frankie Lassard. He was great. Yeah, I remember watching him in Cornwall. I was just seeing that guy, and I was like, man, that that is a scary character. And uh, I remember like yep. his fights with Morasti, and uh, Morasti's tough as nails as well. And he's uh, one of my personal favorites. And uh, I think he had the edge on him uh, in a few fights. Uh, I know that. Yep. Uh, They had some uh, good rivalry uh, fights, but uh, yeah, definitely my number six. Oh, guys, you're going to hate me for this, but... I am going to end the episode, and you're going to have to tune in next week at the same bat time on the same bat channel. I don't know, that's before my time. I think that's what they say, but for the top five guys, for the elite. Uh, so I'm not saying that these guys aren't elite, but uh, yeah, that was uh, really fun talking to Darren tonight. You know, he mentioned one guy on his list that I didn't have, which was the missing link, the great link gates, you know, the mysterious link gates. Me, it's just from appearances, you know, uh, the fights that I watched, like uh, mentioning that one with Kote, which Kote is a tough, tough man, um, you know, uh, he's got his busted nose, and uh, not only that fight, I've seen him, uh, you know, from appearances, uh, lose quite a bit of fights in the LNH, but Darren's the one with the tape, guys, and, uh, you know, even the one where he got his nose busted up by Kote, I mean, he just keeps coming, you know, just tough as nails, uh, takes a baseball bat to put him down, so I didn't have him on my list. Darren knows what he's talking about, and these lists are all subjective. And, you know, I got a guy like Ryan Murphy, which, uh, um, like they say in French, uh, he he proved himself along the way, uh, you know, just taking on everybody. And, uh, yeah, next week, guys, I screwed up in my introduction. It was actually episode 36, this one. Next week is episode 37, so the top five guys. So, you know, maybe it's a sales tactic on my uh, on my end, but... You know, definitely want you guys to tune in next week, guys. Yeah, I'd just like to give a shout-out to our sponsors, too, which I haven't mentioned in a little bit, but they're always in the background of my Twitter or in the background of my Facebook, which is Rurban Brewery. So, uh, Microbrewery in Cornwall, which I would put their beer up against all the microbreweries of the area and Ottawa and Toronto. You name it, man. They have a terrific product. Uh, big assortment of beers, and uh, I just drove by the other day, so they're on Cumberland Street. They had their patios, uh, their patio tables out, uh, so uh, they had, uh, I think, like six tables out, so you can drop by and have a beer. Uh, they're open 12 to 5, Monday to Saturday, and uh, yeah, Andy and Karen have a terrific product, uh, products, I should say, So, uh, and I saw they had one beer, it was like uh, lemon-infused uh, beer, so that looks very thirst quenching and uh my favorite one is still the IPA uh dangereux eight percent but don't look 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 because you're not gonna last all night but yeah guys check them out and if you're in the SDNG region just drop by you know if you go have a beer on the patio maybe uh mention that you uh, heard it on uh, the bucket drop podcast maybe they're gonna see that it, i'm bringing them some some people just as far as my own products that i'm selling guys i got some merch i got some really nice hats 
Uh, they're like a mesh in the back and uh, very comfortable, uh, good for summer. They're very nice. Like I said, they're black. They got the orange logo, kind of uh, a la Philadelphia Flyers, uh, tough looking. And I made these hats basically for, you know, just supporting the old school hockey. You know, I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, but not, not to support the podcast. I would never uh, charge people, you know, to supplement my my podcast uh you know i do this as a hobby i do this as a stress reliever all the profits from the hats go directly to the children's treatment center to help kids that are not in a good position counselors and psychiatrists uh, that's not free and that's a great organization in our city that helps these youths and uh, it's very close to my heart guys so all the profits from the hats go directly to that and the hats are not expensive like shipped to your house like 25 bucks and again you know with my knucklehead podcast if i can do any good in the world uh, that's uh, really important for me yeah the hats like i said uh, just to support the old school hockey like i find hockey is boring af right now um well it's boring now because we don't have any but just you know not no hitting um i had alec on last week like he said he went to go see a tampa bay lightning game and he didn't hear the boards rattle one time in uh you know for a whole period you know like it's not just the fighting that i miss but you know i miss the hitting too and since they took out the instigator rule and you know just just these stupid rules i don't know where when they put in that four minute for you know blood i mean like it's 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 hockey guys like it's it's not even hockey anymore it's an absolute joke like chara i mentioned him a lot there it's probably getting annoying for the listeners but you know like he's six foot nine and like you know he's hitting a guy like you know gallagher you know and he's gonna get suspended for five games for a headshot like it's just i don't know it's just it's not hockey anymore so if you want to support old school hockey and you know maybe if you had the fantasy of that hockey coming back i don't think it's gonna happen but you know, buy a hat, man. Just support the old school hockey, the fighting, and uh, yeah, all this, uh, all the proceeds go directly to the Children's Treatment Center here in Cornwall, and uh, you're going to be helping some kids out. So uh, just hit me up if you want uh, a hat. Twitter at the Bucket Drop, capital T, capital B, capital D. Send me a message. Uh, follow us. And yeah, go on our uh, iTunes, uh, our Apple podcast, and uh, wherever you find your podcast and uh, give us a rating, you know. Uh, I saw that we only got one rating out there, which is five stars, so I'm doing pretty good. But but yeah, tune in next week, guys. We're going to go with the top five. You know, I, I'm curious on who Darren's going to go with. I think we're going to have some in common. We've already matched... Uh, I've matched three of his right now, but uh, anyways, I don't want to give that away. Yeah, tune in next time, guys. Thanks for joining us, as always. Take care of your K's. Bucket drops. How deep is your love? How deep is your ocean? How deep is the sea? And how deep is my love? How deep is your love? How deep is the ocean? How deep is the sea? And how deep is my love?